women can coach men's sports, even if they didn't play the position, even if they didn't play the sport, let alone occupy that space at any point, if they have the desire, the energy, and the willingness to learn and to be in that space and to gain the knowledge necessary to build a successful player and a successful unit, then they can get there and they should feel comfortable being able to go through that process. Welcome to the first ever episode of Uncut on the Hills podcast series, Uncut Out Loud. I'm your host, Evie Palmer. I am a sophomore from Charlotte, North Carolina, and currently on the varsity women's lacrosse team here at Denison. For our new listeners, Uncut on the Hill is a student-led and athlete-driven digital journalism platform. Our goal is for student-athletes at Denison to have a space to share their stories about mental health, gender, race, injuries, other passions, future career paths, and anything in between. If you've been following Uncut's progress over the years, you may have listened to our other podcasts. Dig Deep is in partnership with the Diversity and Inclusion Group on campus. Be sure to check it out if you haven't listened. Uncut Aloud is a new creation with our first priority being the stories and experiences of those involved in Denison Athletics. Our goal is to create fluid conversations that cover a range of topics. Today, I'm joined by Coach Bartlett, who is currently the assistant coach for men's lacrosse at Denison, a traditional top 20 program and consistent championship contender in the NCAA Division III tournament. Coach B has taken on one of the biggest jobs a female coach has been awarded. It is not every day we see a female coach for a men's college team. Welcome, Coach B. We are so excited to have you here. Can you share with us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about my experience and, you know, what brought me here to Denison. So this is my third season coaching lacrosse here at Denison. Prior to that, I was overseas in Frankfurt, Germany for about four years where I was the head coach of the men's, women's, and youth programs in Sports Club 1880, which was located in Frankfurt. And then in addition to those programs that I coached in Frankfurt, I was also the head coach of the Luxembourg men's national team. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door with men's lacrosse was being overseas. And that happened right after graduating from the University of Mary Washington, where I was a four-year varsity player on the women's lacrosse team. And uh, during my time at Mary Washington, um, I was a starting defender for three years and earned all state, all regional conference accolades. So pretty, pretty successful career, I guess, at the college level, but definitely got my taste for men's lacrosse early on um, through my experience with my dad, who was a head men's lacrosse coach at the Virginia Military Institute for over 20 years. Wow, that's awesome. And I'm also a defender. So oh, let's go. Yeah, let's go. That's awesome. Um, so when did you decide that you kind of wanted to be a coach and why did you choose Denison? Yeah, so I think it was probably my junior year of college when I was in the thick of it with my major. I was a geography major, but with an emphasis on human geography. So I was doing my thesis and working on a nonprofit in Guatemala, and I really enjoyed my time through my internship with them, but I kind of felt like I was missing the relationship aspect and the connecting with the individuals, and that was something that I really wanted in terms of my profession, I wanted to see the impact I was making on an individual level. And so I started kind of going back to the drawing board in terms of what I wanted to do professionally because I was about to graduate in a year and 
I wasn't incredibly passionate about what the doors were opening for my major, so I spoke to my dad, and at that time he'd already been retired from coaching, and I expressed interest in wanting to get involved in coaching, and I was already doing it at the club level on the women's side uh, with a team in Richmond. And I told him, you know, I really enjoyed my time coaching, but I wanted to pivot and sort of enter the world of coaching men's lacrosse. And, you know, there was a probably a beat on the other line of the phone when I had that conversation. And he goes, you know, are, are you sure you want to be a coach? <laughs> you, know, I, you saw me do it for 20 years. Are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I, I really want to do it. And he's like, and did I hear you right? You wanted to coach men? And I was like, yeah. And he was really honest with me from the get. He was like, it's going to be nearly impossible to get a position out of college without any background in the men's game outside of, you know, being a coach's kid. So we started talking about that and he encouraged my pursuit, but definitely made me aware of the barriers to accomplishing that goal. So it ended up in a roundabout way kind of happening that I landed in Germany and uh, my head coach at the time, Coach Moore, she's phenomenal. She forwarded all the seniors this job opportunity in Frankfurt, Germany for coaching women's lacrosse. And so I pursued that job opportunity, applied, and during the interview process, it was with the president of the lacrosse club at the time at 1880. And we started talking and I said, yeah, you know, I do have this kind of crazy pipe dream of one day coaching men's lacrosse. And he goes, oh, you want to coach men? He's like, well, you can coach men, women, youth, boys, girls. I don't care. We'll pay you the same. But if you want to coach them, like, we'll talk to the men's team, see what they think. And I said, yes, talk to them. Would love to do men's and women's, whatever I can do. So we talked to the men's team, and at the time they're like, well, we don't have a coach, so we'll take a coach. You know, she has college playing experience. Great, cool. We don't care. So they're very open from the get in terms of having a female enter their space. And I was their first female coach for the men's program. But right off the bat, you know, they showed me nothing but respect. And definitely I think the cultural difference around lacrosse in Germany made that transition a lot easier because it is very much more of a hobby rather than the kind of focus-driven process that it is here stateside, you know, getting to that next level. For them, it's just enjoying the moment. So they were happy to just have someone who was passionate, energetic, and fresh out of college, young, <laughs> trying to do something with the program. So it's kind of how I got my foot in the door with men's lacrosse. But yeah, I think that process definitely started pretty early for me in terms of wanting to get it done, but there were a lot of roadblocks along the way. And, you know, one of the roadblocks actually was here at Denison because my dad uh, ran a lacrosse camp for many years uh, with someone else here at Denison. And uh, during that time, I was always the camp store girl. They called me the camp store chick and I sold Gatorades and pizza. And I did that for about 10 years. And even when I was playing collegiately, you know, I spoke to my dad and hoped he would speak to the other director about, you know, it was always kind of the mindset that once you were playing college, you could be a counselor. So I was like, all right, I'm playing college across. Now can I be a counselor? And my dad was for it, but the co-director at the time was uh, not, you know, as passionate or not as accepting of that idea. And his thoughts were, you know, who's gonna send their son to a camp to be coached by a woman? And that really stuck with me. Uh, I think it kind of was a thorn in my side for a long time in terms of wanting to prove him among other people who thought that wrong. So it kind of was serendipitous that I ended up at Denison, you know, after my four years in Germany. So it's good to be on this campus in a role that I've always wanted to be in and to be accepted in that role. So 
how did you just decide that you wanted to do men's? Like, you know, because men's and women's lacrosse is very different in terms of, like, rules and stuff like that. So did you just wake up one day and we're like, I want to catch men's across. Yeah, that's a great question. So I also played rugby when I was in high school and I definitely had uh, a taste for the aggressive side of the sport and I loved the contact and I found it wildly frustrating that I kept being told to be less aggressive, to be less physical, to, you know, take away from parts of my game that I thought really amplified myself as a defender. And as I'm sure you know, it can get frustrating when a, co when a ref keeps pulling you back or even your coach is like, all right, pull it back. And you just really want to get there, get out there and get after it within the confines of the rules of the game. But I think I had that taste for the contact aspect of it from rugby. And I really gravitated towards the physicality of men's lacrosse. And, you know, from growing up on the sidelines with my dad and those players and seeing how we interacted with them, I just... I think part of me really wanted to literally, quite literally be in his shoes and replicate that same experience for myself. And I think another part of me also really liked the fact that people kept telling me, no, I couldn't do it or wouldn't do it or shouldn't do it or a woman shouldn't be coaching men's lacrosse because she's never played. And I, I've always been a stubborn person, I would say, uh, you know, being a Taurus, <laughs> very much my uh, star sign in that way. But in a lot of ways, I think that kind of fueled my passion to prove people wrong and to show that, you know, a woman could occupy the same space as a man and be successful. So, you know, the more times I put it out there and the more times I was shot down, especially out of the gate, I think that just made me that much more determined to actually make it happen. So I think kind of it all started because of my dad, but my pursuit and passion to really push to make it happen was from the fact that people kept telling me it couldn't, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and when you started off here at Denison, how did you demonstrate authority and set the expectation that you should be treated just as they treat any other male coach here? Yeah, so I think my favorite story that kind of answers your question and encompasses that is one of our very first practices here at Denison. We were doing fall ball and uh, in particular I work with a face-off specialist which is a very technique oriented position and you know the players that get to this level in that position you know they fine-tune their craft. They are committed to that you know they are very much dialed into the face-off. So I had a senior at the time who transferred in and before I came here had a hellacious career just really really good at the position an absolute savant in terms of the face-offs and we were doing an inter-squad scrimmage and me and coach Koch were refing, and so I was setting up the face-off and blew the whistle you know they go after it and the freshman gets the ball and the seniors kind of standing there like palms up and, you know, I'm wondering, you know, why, why isn't he playing through the whistle? There was no whistle. Like, why are you conceding that easy win to this freshman? You know, you should be playing right now. And so goal happens, whatever. Next face-off is about to be set up. And the senior comes up to me and he, you know, says, so, uh, you know, can you make sure that the face-off is set up correctly before you blow the whistle? And I was like, oh, okay. I said, so uh, question for you. Do you, in a game, ever stop playing after the whistle, even if the face-off isn't set up correctly? And he goes, no, 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 I, I always play through everything. I'm like, well, you should do the same in practice then. You know, this is, you practice how you play, you play how you practice. And he kind of looks at me, he's like, yeah, uh, all right, all right. 
you know, she, she might be right about this. So I think that first moment of the senior in particular with quite the career challenging me and me not overreacting or getting too overly emotional, but speaking to him, you know, on an even keeled level, he really responded to that. And he saw that, you know, I clearly feel comfortable in this space. And, you know, even when he challenged me, he was expecting, I don't know what, but from that moment on, you know, our relationship grew. He's actually one of my favorite alums. Like we continue to text back and forth over the year, especially talking about future face-off personnel coming into Denison. So it's funny how that one moment of a singular athlete kind of challenging me in my space and how I stayed calm and just gave him the information that needed to diffuse the situation was the only instance where I felt any of the athletes here at Denison kind of might have questioned me for a second. But since then, you know, the players have showed me nothing but respect. And I think they understand that my authority comes from a place of experience and that, you know, and I, I joke with my mom about this all the time. Like no one's ever going to give it to me as tough or straightforward as my German players did. So spending four years working with that group of young men and older men, it was quite a wide age spectrum there. But they they were very honest and upfront about everything. So if I could be, you know, resilient to that feedback, there wasn't any feedback that I was worried about getting here at Denison that would, you know, rattle me. So do you think when you started here at Denison, you had any um, like difficulties fitting in with faculty with like, you know, men's coaches? Do you think you had a hard time with that or they were just very accepting of you being a female assistant coach? Yeah, I was really nervous out of the gate, especially coming in under a head coach who had such a successful tenure at Washington and Lee. I mean, Coach Koch was coming from a background of success and clearly has high knowledge of the game in all facets. And then, you know, alongside another assistant who was also coming from WNL, Ryan Rohde at the time, who was, you know, had an illustrious career at Salisbury and then was crushing it at the college level as a coach, these two two individuals really intimidated me on the surface level. And I remember being very nervous for our staff meetings, especially the first year. But from the get-go, both of them treated me with so much acceptance, so much kindness. And it was never, there was never a moment where I felt un sure or unsafe to ask a question you know I never thought by asking a question that was them a perception from them you know questioning my competency or anything you know it was never challenging my knowledge of the game it was more of okay she feels comfortable to ask these questions let's fill these knowledge gaps because like you said in the beginning right the games are so differently and as much as I pour into film or elicit advice from my dad other coaches there's still going to be, you know, that little bit of knowledge gap in terms of really getting up to speed uh, with peers, you know, in this space because they've had the advantage of playing the game. And unfortunately, I haven't. Well, I, that's not true. I have played men's lacrosse overseas, but, you know, not at the collegiate level. So I think that from the start, I've been really lucky because I've been on staff with incredible individuals and with such an amazing mentor through Coach Koch. I mean... He's been my advocate in every every space. You know, there's been times where we've been on the road recruiting and, uh, you know, questions might be asked of me in terms of that might make me feel uncomfortable. And he's always quick to, you know, stand up for me or to show that, you know, he's got my back in every 
every instance. So I think I've been really lucky to have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think that staffs that have that inclusive excellence, like the one that I'm lucky to be a part of here at Denison, really make that process of a female entering a traditionally male space so much easier. And I think that that's the way to get more females to, you know, kind of follow this path and to enter the men's coaching spaces by having great mentors and leaders and head coaches that see them as based on their competency, not on their gender. And I know you said that the head coach always kind of has your back, but how do you deal with, you know, getting constant critique or questions from just people in general of you being a female coach? How do you do that? I think at first it really was a struggle, especially at this level. You know, we have a men's lacrosse forum that anyone can sign on and, you know, have comments about programs, coaches, whatever's going on. And, you know, I'm not immune to really diving in there and (laughs) reading what people say. And especially when I first got hired, you know, there's a lot of question about what I was going to be able to do, especially from at such a historic program like Denison. You know, how was I going to possibly run the box? How was I going to coach a position I never played? And I think those question marks kind of shook my confidence at first. But I think through a lot of practice and self-reflection, I really allowed those comments to fuel me to really prove, continue to on that trajectory of proving people wrong and showing them that, you know, their comments are based on misperceptions and a lack of knowledge of what someone in that space can do regardless of gender. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it would be wrong to say that those don't get to me still because they do. Uh, You know, I think just last weekend, I had a coach ask me about, you know, my interest at the next level. Do I want to be a head coach? Do I want to be at division one? And I was like, he told, him frankly I'd love to be a head coach one day regardless of division and his response was oh you know someone will definitely take a risk one day someone's definitely going to take that risk on you and he was he meant it from a truly genuine place of being positive and supportive but what I don't think he realizes that by him saying that taking a risk it's it's not taking a risk on me by hiring me if I get a job it's because I earned it not because someone's taking a risk hiring a woman they're hiring me because of my resume, my pedigree of what I've accomplished thus far in my career, not because of my gender. So, you know, you do get a lot of supportive, even from the male's coaching side of seeing you in their space, but they don't really necessarily know how to articulate that, I think, in a way that is seeing me for what I'm bringing to the table as a coach rather than seeing me for being a woman. What do you think you have brought and added to like the the men's team what are the benefits of having you like as for their experiences having a female coach yeah so I I think one thing and I don't think it's necessarily gendered but I am definitely a very empathetic person uh and I think that quality is something that these male athletes in particular don't necessarily see out of their male coaches so when I have individual meetings, especially with our first years, we do bi-weekly or bi-monthly academic meetings. And it's a great opportunity for me to, you know, truly see them as individuals and ask them how they're doing, you know, academic wise, of course, but 
they can tell that I truly care about outside of lacrosse, you know, who they are, what makes them them. And I think that I've got a lot of high positive energy. And so I'm, you know, really much, I'm, I'm a huge fan of being an active, constructive listener. So when someone shares something with me on the team, whether it's about a grade they got in a class or something they're doing this weekend, I intently listen and I give them that positive feedback loop where I'm excited as they're excited and you know they feed off that energy so I think that mutual positive energy cycle that I can provide to athletes is something that they could very well get from a male coach but it's you know it's for them I I like to think that they really appreciate that side of things because you know just being on the sidelines at different club events, you don't really you don't really notice coaches that emote overly positive. It's a lot of overly negative emotions, kind of yelling, coming down on kids. And don't get me wrong, I have I have my threshold for tolerance. Like they, I can get pushed beyond that, and Coach B can can yell too. But you know, I really like to build up the athlete and really hype them up and make sure that they are seen as an individual. And I you know, for all of my athletes, none of them have been coached by a woman before in any other sport. So I think it is a new experience for them. But I mean, I would say they they appreciate that individualized aspect of my coaching. Yeah, I mean, I think for every athlete, it's so important to be understood, like not only on the field, but off the field, like whether that's academically, mentally, physically. So that's I, that's awesome. And how do you, like, this is kind of going off topic, but in terms of like the rules, I know that um, women's and men's lacrosse is very different. Um, and you were talking about how you really love like aggression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I love aggression, but obviously <laughs> we don't get to do that really in yeah. um, women's lacrosse. But how do you feel about the rules? Do you think that men's and women should be more similar and should they be more different? I mean, right now they're very different, but do you think, how do you feel about that? I was just reading an article, it's interesting you bring that up, about the proposed rule changes for the women's game and Mm -hmm. uh, what that's kind of looking like. And I know that one of the rule changes that was proposed but that got shot down was kind of continuing to shape the women's game to be more like the men's game. So going down from uh, the current field size to more of a 10v10 format that you see in the men's game. So... At first, I was like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. I'd love to see the women's game kind of take on more of that men's game feel in terms of how you can really schematically work with your offense and defense, X's and O's, easily translate between both sports. But then after reading this article, you know, by reducing the number of players on the field, you're now reducing the opportunities for women at the next level. And I think that's a detriment to the game because I believe that by reducing the number of players on the field, now you're limiting the roster size. Now less women have the opportunity to compete at the next Mm -hmm. level. And I think that's where we're falling short in women's participation in sports is that there's still a large gap between men and women participating in sports and not just that, but retention and participation. So now you potentially take away players on the field to get that playing time to retain and want to stay a part of the sport. So I think, you know, down the road, I'd love to see, you know, more of that 10v10 format in women's because I think it's a really fun style. I think you have so much space to work with. 
But at the same time, I don't think we're in a space right now that we should be limiting opportunities for women at the next level. So I love the way the women's game is flowing more fluidly. I mean, the restart, like the free, uh, the restarts after, you know, a foul in the midfield, how you can just keep going. Like that yeah. is amazing. I love that. That's huge. It's not, you know, red light, green light anymore in women's lacrosse. Like mm -hmm. it's a fluid game that is taking on more of the men's side in that regard, but it's still possessing the unique qualities of women's game of the finesse, the beauty, the grace, which traditionally are feminine qualities, but I like how the technology and the stick is really allowing you to see more of those qualities that you see in the men's game, like taking shots from deep, um, being able to, you know, especially at the D1 level, you can get a little bit more contact, you can get a little bit more aggressive, and you kind of let the game play a little bit more, which is nice. Uh, but I don't want to see the women's game completely turn into the men's game. I would just love the opportunity for women to play the men's game if they were interested, whether, and I think a big push for that would be female box lacrosse, uh, women's box lacrosse, and the growth of that. You see it in Europe in particular, there's a massive following called SheBox, and wherever you go, England, Ireland, uh, Germany, you can play women's box across. I think that's phenomenal. I think that's definitely something that can be easily applied here in the States is the opportunity for if women really do love the men's style of game, give them opportunity to play box. I don't see why there's any issue with that. So instead of changing the women's game to be the men's game, protect the beautiful qualities and the strong qualities of the women's game, keep it unique, we want to be more like the men in some ways, offer more opportunities to play box across. Do you think that Denison would ever be able to offer that opportunity for even girls to be able to participate in men's lacrosse and start, you know, I don't know, maybe like make a club or something like that to just be able to experience the game on the other side? I would love that opportunity. I think with the proximity to the Resolute Box Complex here in Columbus, I mean, it's not far. I think that to have the space for women who are interested to want to play the men's game, I think this is the perfect location to start a club box program for women because you're close to Columbus, you have mm -hmm. access to fields, uh, you have the proximity to being kind of northern-ish. I mean, there's a lot of women's box in Canada. So I'm talking about tournaments, opportunities to play other teams. You know, the Midwest is a great spot to be in because you have that translation. A lot of people, and women in particular, playing ice hockey. Ice hockey translates great to box lacrosse. So I think if you were to start a club program here at Denison, there, if there was a desire for it, I think that would be easy to fill that need. And I would love to see women wanting to create a club box across program here at Denison. And if they needed a coach or needed any assistance, I would definitely love to help with that. So, yeah, I mean, that would be awesome. I know like we've talked about wanting to play against the boys sometimes, yeah. but the boys will be like, no, like it'll be dangerous. We'll hurt you guys, stuff like that. So I don't know. I think I definitely agree with you though. Like, keeping women's lacrosse because you know we have unique plays and mm -hmm. so many different rules but I like how you kind of talked about how those rules are very creative and unique because men's you know you don't have the same you know 
lineup. You don't have the same plays. Mm-hmm. You don't have the same stuff like that. So that was definitely an interesting perspective. Um, but if you don't mind me asking, do you have any stories relating to facing sexism as, at all as a coach? And how did you deal with those situations? Yeah, uh, I'd say, you know, I kind of joke about it with my mom sometimes that I can never, I never go to a recruiting event or, uh, you know, any sort of tournament without one comment about me being a female coach. And for the most part, I'll preface it by saying that a lot of the times it's, I make it 50-50. It's very positive. You know, you'll come off the field and a mom will see you and grab you or you're going to the bathroom and she'll be like, hey, it's great to see you. a woman coach. This is awesome, phenomenal, love it. And you feel really empowered and excited to be in that space. But then there's other times, you know, for example, I remember being at the Nike National All-Star Tournament this past year. And so it was, you know... <laughs> And if you go to these recruiting events, you pretty much know that anyone standing on the sideline that's listed for coaches or next to the teams is most likely a college coach. You know, they have their booklets. It's They're wearing their gear. You know, I had all red Denison stuff on. I thought it was pretty obvious. And I was at the end of the bench for a team really looking at a kid that's going to end up coming here and committed, which was sweet. But I was watching his team and... Uh, one of his teammates comes off the field incredibly fatigued. He comes over and he's like, excuse me, ma'am, I need a trainer. Like, can you help me? I'm, I'm like, I think I'm, and I just stopped in there and I said, I'm sorry, young man, I'm, I'm not a trainer. I'm a coach. And the cool thing in the moment was his coach actually turned to him and said, she is clearly a coach. How can you not tell that? And, uh, it was great to see from, you know, an older guy there to turn to me and recognize me in that space and validate me occupying that space. Uh, so that was, you know, nice to be validated that way. But yeah, I think more often than not, players mistake me for a trainer. Uh, I get mistaken for someone's mom, sister, whatever it may be. But rarely is it assumed off the bat that I'm a coach. So I think that's probably where I face the most sexism. And I wouldn't say it's, you know, this outwardly negative, combative experience, but it's more of just, it's always at this point assumed that I'm anything other than a coach. And I can't wait for the day where it's very plain as day, you know, me and other women occupying the space on the sidelines that we're there as coaches, you know, and a lot of times I get assumed to be a recruiter, you know, like I'm recruiting for someone, but I'm, could it possibly be a coach for a team? So I think sometimes that eats away at me and I I feel like I end up being a little bit on an island, especially at these events, you know, there's, there's that feeling where you kind of, that new kid at school and that no one wants you to sit with them at lunch, right? You know, these college coaches kind of have this network where they're really close to one another. They've been in the game for a while, so they gravitate towards one another at these events, but you don't see too often them reaching out to want me to join that, you know? And there are exceptions to that where I definitely have interacted with coaches and I I very much look forward to seeing them on the road because I know if I'm at an event and they're at an event, they're going to say hi, they're going to go out of their way. But 
I would say that's more of the minority than the majority in coaches. So, you know, it'll be nice one day to not feel like I'm alone on that island on the sidelines and that they're looking to the left and right of me, people who look the way I look and that are confident in that space. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, it's rare, rare to go to an event where I don't face sexism. <laughs> Gosh. Do you think you've had any, like, issues regarding recruitment-wise? Like, I'm interested, like, when you're recruiting someone and are they shocked by having a female assistant coach? Like, what are their reactions? What do they say? Yeah, I think uh, it's funny because when they email us before an event and then, you know, I was just at an event last weekend and got some emails this weekend from players that I reached out to, like, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be watching you. They're like, I didn't see you on the sideline, I'm not sure if you were there. And <laughs> part of me thinks, like, did you do a Google search? Did you realize that I was a woman? Because I was definitely there. Or, you know, maybe I, there's also a lot of bigger coaches that maybe I fade to the background, I'm a little smaller, you know, whatever it may be. But I think there are some times where they're taken aback, maybe at first figuring out that I'm a, I'm a female coach. But for the most part, especially the mothers, they they are super positive. Uh, you know, I had a very, very empowering experience last weekend coming off a field and a mom stopping me. And at first she was beaming and like waving at me. And I figured or assumed that she was one of our freshman first years, you know, parents. And so maybe her other son was playing at this event. So I waved back and was smiling and she, you know, as I exited, she kind of pulled me aside and said, hi, you know, I just wanted to introduce myself. I don't know you, but I saw you. And I just think it's phenomenal that, you know, there's a woman, a female coach occupying the sidelines. And, you know, I, I, I love Denison. I want my son to go to Denison, knowing that there's a woman coach, like that's awesome. And, you know, I was getting ready to leave the event and to have that experience that she wanted to push her son towards a program that had a female coach was really, it made me feel really good because, you know, sometimes I fear that maybe players don't want to come here because they see that a female coach is occupying the role. But I think at the end of the day, when I interact with recruits and I get on the phone call with them, and I think there's sometimes at first when I hop on, I'm like, hey, it's Coach Barlin. They take a second and, you know, maybe they're expecting a deeper voice, <laughs> but uh, they, they're pretty easygoing. And, you know, I, it was nice to hear that uh, one of the face-off prospects for this 24 class, um, he's, not act he's not ended up going here, but his comment was that we were his favorite staff he interacted with. And I think it's really cool that uh, this next generation of athletes is la less apprehensive about me occupying this role. And, I would like to think it doesn't deter them from coming here, or the recruiting process, mm -hmm. but, you know, for the most part, when it comes to recruiting, I've only heard positive remarks about me being in this space, so. That's awesome, and did you say, so you're a face-off, you focus on face-offs? How did you get into that? <laughs> so I am the face-off specialist coach, as well as the offensive coordinator, but the OC titles new this year, the face-off title's been here for the past two seasons and that actually happened kind of I wouldn't say by accident but uh you know when I got hired Ryan Rohde at the time was the offensive coordinator coach Koch was doing defense and we had this gap that needed to be filled for face-off coaches and so coach Koch asked me like hey what are your thoughts on coaching the face-offs and you know, it's my first collegiate position. I'm eager to please. I want to do well. Like, okay, you need to do face-offs. I'll be a face-off coach. And 
at the time, you know, internationally, we still had knee down moto grip, which is now not allowed at the collegiate level and hasn't been for some time. So my experience with face-offs was an antiquated form of doing it. So I kind of dived headfirst into filling that knowledge gap by reaching out to Greg Gorillion, who runs the Face-Off Academy, attending his showcases, watching all of his videos. Uh, I probably, you know, you could look at the metrics and I've probably seen everyone more than anyone else. And I think also really leaning on that senior at the time who at first was a little bit, you know, pushed back a little. But once he saw that I was coming from a space of, I wanna know and I, I want to really be the coach that you need to be successful. So when I would ask questions, he would give honest feedback about drills that I tried or concepts we were trying to implement. So I think having him along for that first year really helped me gain that confidence in the space. And then just leaning on coaches who were already coaching the position, I think helped me feel confident and competent. And really, I mean, diving into the film, you know, it's crazy to think about now, but I remember just being entirely overwhelmed by all of the vernacular, the technique, and now I can watch a face-off and feel confident. I've got this, you know, I'll be watching the NCAA tournament at the D1 level with my mom, and the two face-off guys will get down in the stands. I'm like, oh, that kid's going to win it. She's like, how do, you, how do you know? How do you know he's going to win it? How do you know? I'm like, well, you can tell him this, this, and that. And she's like, what? And the whistle blows, and the kid wins it. And she's like, what? <laughs> you know? So it's great to feel like all the pieces have kind of come together. But I think it just also goes to show, you know, women can coach men's sports, even if they didn't play the position, even if they didn't play the sport, let alone, you know, occupy that space at any point. If they have the desire, the energy, and the willingness to learn and to be in that space and to gain the knowledge necessary to build a successful player and a successful unit, then they can get there and they should feel comfortable being able to go through that process. Because if it wasn't for Coach Koch, you know, on a whim, kind of being you know putting that on my plate and really challenging me to step into that role I would never be where I'm at now in terms of loving the face-offs and really just enjoying every moment I'm with the sandbox crew you know they're they're a special group of individuals and I am even presenting this year at the coaches conventions, which I'm entirely nervous about, but it's <laughs> going to be all in face-off and wing play. And, you know, you asked me this three years ago, if I, you know, do you imagine yourself presenting at the national men's coaching convention on face-offs? I would have probably laughed and maybe passed out because that would <laughs> cause a lot of panic. But now I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm excited to share the knowledge that I've learned and how you show other coaches that they too can learn about this elusive position <laughs> yeah that is so cool and how I mean while we have you here how you how do you think the season's gonna go this year yeah so I'm really excited about this season I think that we have an incredibly strong and talented senior class I am over the moon about their leadership and how they really brought the freshmen into the fold and made them feel like they've been at home since they stepped on campus. And I think that kind of team chemistry is going to take this team very far. You know, we've gotten a lot accomplished this fall, but I think that where we're at now is 
good, but we're never going to settle for being good. We're always going to push to be great. And I think that takes a certain level of work ethic and mentality to buy into that process. And we've got a team of guys that understand what it takes and they're willing to put that work in. So as long as they keep that foot on the gas, I'm hoping for a very successful amazing year you know on a new turf complex which i'm very excited yes, about so excited. opening up against rit but you know i think there's something different about this group this team i i am still kind of struggling to put you know a word to it or to describe it but i feel like there's something in the water and i'm 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 confident in the group of individuals that we have on this team to achieve programmatic success at the next level so I'm excited I'm excited to watch cheering <laughs> yeah. you guys on do you have a favorite memory from this fall oh man <laughs> <laughs> I think it would probably have to be the University of Indianapolis scrimmage kind of how we you know not and typically we wrap up our fall with that um oh I've got two okay two favorite memories <laughs> now that I mentioned it first one being the UND scrimmage and uh, a big reason why that was, I think, seeing first years uh, kind of take on an unexpected role and perform at that next level. And to see one particular first year score his first collegiate goal and his eyes just light up like it was Christmas morning and he got the gift that he asked for, you know. And he kind of struggled a little bit early on in the game, maybe taking less than ideal shots. And so for that first one to fall and just the physical, the way he emoted, it was just, you know, you want to capture that essence and hold on to it because there's nothing like scoring your first college goal and to see his teammates embrace him, to see the sidelines go wild, you know, it just gives me chills thinking about it. And you know, I, I think celebrating the success of your teammates gives me the most positive energy feedback that I could ever get. So that was a huge, huge moment this fall. And then the second one was probably this last practice we had. Just kind of encompasses the multitude of personalities and weird energy we have on the men's lacrosse team that I'm, I'm totally here for. <laughs> but we were doing what we call a wing school segment, which is just face-offs and wing play. And uh, they all love to do just like weird noises as they come over for wing school. They're like, yeah, oh, wing school and like doing their little airplane noises. And I love it. And so we were getting ready to conclude that segment of practice. And we always like break it down, you know, like wing school on three. And I guess because like wings, birds, flights, I don't know, they all start doing bird noises. And I'm like, all right, this is great. And so one of our senior senior captains like, all right, we should all have our own bird call. And I'm like, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Own bird call. Let's go. And so we're about to break down the team and we're like, all right, you know, wing school on three, but instead of wing school, we're all going to make our own bird call noises. And everyone's like, yeah, we all got to do our own. And you know, it's, it's funny because it's a group of 18 to 20, 21, 22 year old men but you can tell they still have that kid-like energy inside of them and they like to be silly too. So, you know, to go one, two, three and just have 12, 15 guys do random bird calls. I mean, it's it sounds so small, so simple, so silly, but <laughs> it just, you know, put the biggest smile on my face and it was something that I immediately called my dad after practice and told him about and he was like, gosh, it's like those groups, that's the interesting, unique group of individuals, but they clearly are having fun with what they're doing. And that shows that they care about what they're doing, because if they're not having fun, if they don't care, you're not going to get the best out of them. So as a staff, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing by drawing the best out of them.
And, you know, it's going to be really exciting to also have my dad on staff with us this year. So that'll be nice to fill that next chair with, you know, not just the person who put me in this chair, but my mentor. So excited to work with him. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Do you think yeah. it's going to bring you guys closer? For oh, sure? yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. We're, we're already very close. Yeah. So I think it's going to be, you know, just an opportunity that not many people get to have in and I'm really, really lucky and extremely grateful to be working working with my father in that capacity and excited to be bask in his wisdom and hear what he has to share. So Well, I am so excited to watch you guys this spring. So excited. Thank you so much for opening up about your experiences. Super, super interesting and I inspire and look up to you so much for what you've done. Um, we are so grateful to have you on Uncut Out Loud, especially our first one. Once again, thank you so much, Coach B, for joining us today and for sharing your story. Your impact here at Denison is huge, and we look up to you so much. Being one of the only female coaches for a men's team is incredible, and Denison is truly so lucky to have you. Can't wait to see what the future holds and how the men's team does this spring. We are cheering you guys on. Listeners, stay tuned for more podcasts on Uncut Out Loud. Once again, our goal is for student athletes at Denison to have a space to share their stories about mental health, gender, race, injuries, other passions, future career paths, and anything in between. A special thanks to our editor, Emma Anderson, and our uncut team, Kate Hinshaw, Jack Mimesheim, Jay Jackson, Anna Devano, and Emma Pritchett. I am your host, Evie Palmer. We hope this podcast inspired you.